Today on IFS Talks, we're fortunate enough to be meeting again with Dr. Frank Anderson. Frank Anderson is a former chair and executive director of the Foundation for Self-Leadership, an organization focusing on IFS research and the expansion of the IFS model beyond psychotherapy. He's authored the chapter, Who's Taking What? Connecting Neuroscience, Psychopharmacology, and Internal Family Systems for Trauma, and co-authored What IFS Brings to the Treatment of Trauma, as well as the Internal Family Systems Skills Training Manual. Frank is a lead trainer and program consultant for the IFS Institute, is an advisor to the International Association for Trauma Professionals, and maintains a private practice. He's passionate about teaching and enjoys providing psychotherapy consultations, as well as teaching IFS-related workshops throughout the world. Today, we're talking to Frank about his new book, Transcending Trauma, Healing Complex PTSD with Internal Family Systems. Frank, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us again today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I always enjoy my conversations with you guys. So thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Welcome back, Frank. And many, many congratulations on your new coming book, Transcending Trauma, published by PESI and to come in May 19, 2021. Frank, why this book now? What is the purpose of this book? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's kind of the culmination of my life's work. That might be a big statement, but it's really kind of true. I've, you know, been working in the field of trauma really since 1992 when I started working with Bessel van der Kolk at the trauma center. And my whole career was kind of geared towards trauma, um, really after a family member had developed major mental illness. It just rocked my family open in a huge way. And I've been in that, in that field kind of partly trying to kind of save my sister in one way, but also, you know, help people and then surprise, surprise, learned about my own history, right? So it, I've been in this field really since the beginning of my career. And this just felt like the right time to put it all together, honestly. And so it really is this culmination of all the work I've done in the field of trauma, you know, neuroscience, with working with Bessel at the trauma center as a psychiatrist, dealing with medications and trauma, and then this whole integration of IFS, which for me, I think happened probably in 2004, maybe was the first time I met Dick Schwartz. So folding in all of this IFS knowledge with neuroscience, psychiatry, and the treatment of trauma in a very basic way. So it really does feel like okay, it was time to put it all together, you know, to put it in one piece, to put it all together. And honestly, you guys, it was kind of like, this is another piece, which I get emotional talking about it and now thinking about it this way. There's a little bit of putting, putting my whole trauma history and career out there for the world to see. And, and I've spent my whole you know, clinical career helping people with trauma histories. It's been focused on trauma pretty exclusively. So there's this way in my life personally, in my own, I would say, spiritual journey that I'm putting all of my information out for the world. And I'm in the midst of a shift 
to focus more on love and compassion versus healing. Like it's an interesting thing that I didn't realize initially, but as you write a book, a lot comes up for you and a lot gets sorted out. But I'm really, I'm, I'm going to always continue to do trauma work to some degree, but it's a movement away from the pain and into the solution more fully and more completely, if that makes sense. Frank, what parts does it bring up to consider? I know this book is going to be released soon, but what parts of you does it bring up to consider putting your own trauma history out there to the world? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's a, it's a good question. Nobody's really asked me that before. You know, I've had people say, uh-oh, be careful, watch out. Are you sure you want to do this? And it's it's kind of, it's not even a question for me. It's, it's, it's going to be out there. I have a, a big issue with this us and them divide amongst the experts and the clients, the therapist and the patient. It's like, uh, I am both. I've always been both. And honestly, most of us are both. If we want to be really honest with ourselves, we don't go into this field unless we're working on healing something, right? Exactly. So it's a very, every time I speak, I talk about my personal history. And so part of me wants to get rid of this div artificial divide amongst people, that this is something we all experience. This is something that everybody goes through. And I think it's kind of one of our main purposes here on earth is to work through adversity and to grow <laughs> and to have our souls grow. So I don't want to, I want to break down those barriers in a way. So that's an important piece for me, honestly, in putting my history out there. I mean, I have some fear around my perpetrators and kind of what they'll think about it or what they won't think about it. But I feel honestly, and this, I feel so good when I talk about it now. I feel it comes from self energy. Okay. You know, earlier on in my career, yeah. mm -hmm. I really couldn't have talked about it so openly and honestly because I was carrying too much pain around it, right? And now I could speak of it from the other side, right? Not that everything is healed within me, but so much of my trauma history is healed. And I have such good relationships with my perpetrators or the people that have wronged me that I'm in a very much in a different space. So Partly, I hope to model what can be for people with trauma histories, right? Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and I want the world to know it's possible. It's a very hopeful um, message. We can see this book is inspired in and celebrates IFS. But we also can see other major concepts and focus like trauma, neuroscience, or attachment. So, what are the main ideas and suggestions in this book to help clients overcome the challenges of healing and releasing the pain of relational trauma? Yeah, so th that's another kind of one of the re another reason why I've written this book is because I do now kind of as a trainer and kind of a quote expert <laughs> in the field, I do a lot of consultations on therapies, right? And I see so many clinicians struggle with working with people with trauma histories. It's such a complicated, difficult thing to work with. It stirs up therapist parts like no other. 
Okay. Because when we're working okay. with relational mm-hmm. trauma, it stirs up our relational hurts and wounds. So it's a very... Yeah, it's our lives as well. Right? It's a very complicated dynamic to do that. And so for me, I want therapists to have an easier go of it. I've been doing this for a really long time. And if I could help therapists <laughs> navigate these very bumpy, complicated roads, maybe easier than I did, I'm all for that. You know. And the other thing is, if I can help survivors heal more efficiently and more quickly, that makes me feel really good at the end of the day. So part of this book is to really help people navigate, you know, well-intended therapists do some really awful things in treatment just because they get so activated and stirred up amongst themselves. It's inevitable. It's not bad therapists. It's the, it's the nature of working with relational violation, which is really what complex trauma is. So if I can help people navigate this road, this journey, both as client and as survivor easier, I can rest. I can feel really good (laughs) about being a part of the solution instead of the problem, right? The other thing is that the field has evolved so much from the neuroscience perspective. You know, there was this whole brain explosion, you know, the the decade of the brain, I think Dan Siegel may have even referred to it as one time. So we have really expanded our knowledge in neuroscience in a way that's been very helpful in legitimizing the field of psychotherapy. Instead of a soft science, it becomes a much more legitimate, you know, scene intervention, medically based, neurologically based interventions to help people. And I've been as a doctor, as a kind of a science nerd, if you will, I've always been interested in that. And I, I do think maybe one of my gifts as a teacher is to be able to help explain complicated information in a simplistic way. And so I hope to be able to pull that neuroscience information together for people in a more easily understandable way so that people can learn the basis and the roots of IFS from science and research. So, you know, I'm I'm hoping that's, we'll see if it works in that way, but that's one of my hopes um, in in doing this book in this way. And the other thing, Annabelle, that I'll say, which I'm really, really excited about is the way that I, the ways that I've expanded the model, okay, as it relates to the treatment of trauma. Because the model is a brilliant model, and I just am so grateful for Dick Schwartz as being the channel of the model, as he talks about. Instead of, I created it, he often will say that he's the channel. He's the messenger, right? And I think it's been brilliant and beautiful, and it's kind of changing the world. I love being a part of that journey. There, In my experience over the years, there are extra or special or different dimensions, expansions of the model, if you will, as it relates to treating complex trauma. So I'm excited to share all these ways I've expanded the model with people um, because trauma does require special skills and extra steps and things like this. And, you know, I have to tell you, (laughs) when I had Dick read the book, because he wrote such a beautiful foreword to the book, I was a little nervous. I was like, oh my goodness, I gave him a copy of this book a couple months ago. I was like, is he going to really get mad at me (laughs) 
for the ways I've expanded the model. And he didn't, you know, in his lovely, lovely, loving way, he's really grateful that I was able to expand the model in ways that, you know, more comprehensively help people learn the difficulties in the ways of navigating the treatment of trauma. So I'm excited about that dimension. One of the the um, focuses in the title of the book is healing complex PTSD with internal family systems. And I'm just curious if um, you can help listeners understand your definition of complex PTSD and how to diagnose it and identify it, and then also how IFS is applicable. Yeah, so that is really the main, it's interesting because that is the main focus of the book. And in the beginning, I talk about the different types of trauma, like all traumas are not created equal. And people confuse them all the time and interchange them in a way that is not helpful because, for example, acute stress disorder or acute trauma should be approached very differently than complex PTSD, okay? The, the definition of complex PTSD is really relational trauma, okay? It's repeated relational violation. It's something that Bessel van der Kolk has been trying to get into the DSM for as long as I've known him. It's been one of the kind of his career goals because PTSD or chronic trauma, chronic PTSD is defined mostly by the war vets, you know, and, and the way people look at trauma as it related years ago to people that were in World War I and World War II, kind of the, the symptoms of PTSD as it relates to war. And Bessel van der Kolk has really been the pioneer saying this, there's something different here when we're talking about relational trauma with people, right? And so this definition of complex PTSD or relational trauma is something that's important to differentiate because as I name in the book, the symptoms are different. They're not the same. So you, you, the symptom complex is different and the treatment is different. Okay. So, so it's important to differentiate that. And, and I'll share another distinction, uh, Tisha, that I think um, people get confused by a lot. And my dear friend and colleague, Janina Fisher, who I know you guys have had on this podcast, mm-hmm. gets all activated around the confusion that people have. It's so lovely to hear her, um, oh my goodness, Frank, because her and I are a part of this task force that helped kind of come, come create these kind of different types of trauma, if you will. But developmental trauma, we're distinguishing from complex PTSD. And oftentimes people just can interchange them. Developmental trauma really in its purest form is relational trauma in childhood, which as you grow up to be an adult, you can develop complex PTSD. So complex PTSD is adults who have either been relationally violated or they're adults who have residual symptoms from childhood when they've been relationally violated. So there is these differences and distinctions. And then I'll say the last piece, which is what I'm calling extreme trauma, which is more like in the category of DID or dissociative identity disorder, where that's at that other end of the spectrum where people real well, the parts are so distinct, separate personalities don't have any communication with each other, that it's it's the extreme form, the extreme end of that trauma spectrum. I hope that's helpful. You know, all traumas are not created equal and they, you know, they should be approached differently. Frank, in this new book, Introduction, you say 
you believe in a fundamental and universal truth. Trauma blocks love and connection, and healing our wounds provides access to the love and goodness that is inherent in us all. Can you please elaborate on this trauma and love connection? Oh my gosh, thank you for asking me that question, Annabelle. <laughs> It is really the heart and soul of this book. Okay. And you'll see when the book comes out, I have a circular diagram. This has been going on in my head over and over and over again for months now. I mean, this book has been a three-year process, but I, I have this fundamental belief that trauma blocks love. Trauma blocks self. Trauma blocks our ability to connect. Trauma blocks our essence, our purity, our soul. But I also believe in turn that love, our soul, our ability to connect is the antidote and heals trauma. So it really is the circular pattern. Trauma blocks love, love heals trauma. Love is the medicine as well, yeah. Love is the cure, love is the cure, it's the antidote, it's what get, and it's what gets blocked, okay? If there's, if there's one message, In this whole book, that's the message. And, you know, personally, I'm more myself than I've ever been because of my ability and tenacity to heal my own trauma. Every layer that gets peeled off, more and more of me shows up. Okay. And the more we accumulate, the less we're able to connect to who we are and be who we are. So that is, that is it in a nutshell, really, is this. Um, and, you know, I have to tell you, <laughs> I wanted, that's what I wanted the title of the book to be. Trauma blocks love, love heals trauma. And the publishers are like, uh, Frank, we can't use the word love in a psychotherapy book. Like everybody's going to get all weirded out by the word love. They know you know, love is easy. You know, people go all, and I, and I get that, but it was such a, I was like, but that's what the book is about, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so they allowed me to put this trauma blocks love, love blocks trauma throughout the book. We're going to put it in the title, you know, put it in the back of the book, this kind of thing. But when transcending trauma showed up, I'm like, okay, got it. That speaks to this in a different kind of way. And the publishers were happy with it. So I was like, okay, it's a win-win. Says the same thing in a different kind of way. Frank, you also wrote a chapter on this new book called Permanent Healing of Emotional Wounds. How permanent is this healing? And when you say healing, you are not saying a cure. Yeah, well, that might be a little sensitive topic for some people because I am being quite deliberate when I'm using this word healing. And that is a bold statement. And I'm aware of that. Okay. So, but I'm doing, I, this is about, you know, this is one of the benefits when you write your own book, you can say whatever you want, because I believe this is, and this is my firm conviction in this model. Okay. That there is a healing that happens. Mm -hmm. It's what I've experienced personally too, is that there is a healing quality. And those words are scary and dangerous for researchers and, you know, our field of psychotherapy. But I really do believe that that is what happens, that we can, as Dick says, it's a model of transformation. We release the pain, the trauma, the hurt, the wounding, the feelings that are carried as a result of trauma. And 
our parts and us really return to our normal untraumatized state. Honestly, you guys, it is the moment. I'll remember it like yesterday. I was sitting in the first work, like I've done workshops for Bessel van der Kolk since 1992 for his, at his annual trauma conference. And I remember the year he invited Dick Schwartz for the first time. I went to the workshop I'm like, oh, this is interesting. And Dick sat there and talked about getting these wounded parts out of the past, releasing what they're carrying and healing. And I was like, nobody has ever spoken yeah, about that before. Exactly. Okay, nobody. Everybody talks about integrating and assimilating and reappraising. Mm -hmm. And Dick was the first person that I heard say, heal, get the parts out of the past. Are you kidding me? Like, it really drew me in. And that's been my experience. And, you know, I do speak about, and most people know about this by now, but I also speak about the science behind that healing process, which I believe is the memory reconsolidation work that Bruce Ecker talks about in his book. Um, Bruce Ecker didn't create memory reconsolidation. It's well-known and well-researched science that I believe the IFS unburdening process is very well aligned with. So there's science to back this bold claim and statement of healing trauma. Cure, Annabelle, is an interesting word right? What does cure mean? Um, PTSD gets better over time. That's very clear. Does anybody ever, never, ever get triggered or susceptible to being re-triggered again? I don't know the answer to that, right? I don't know what cure means, but I do distinguish and differentiate cure from healing. And I think we can heal trauma. And I think you know, I don't know if I would say cure, but heal trauma because the the from a spiritual perspective, we're never done. We're always addressing things. Things are always coming up. So I don't think there's a done as it as it happens in individuals' lives. But I think there's healing what we've experienced and have been exposed to. I don't get triggered in the ways that I used to as a result of my healing of work. Course. Yes. I just don't. Mm. You know, I remember these moments where I'm like, oh, this is the way normal people react, as opposed to my prior reactivity or vigilance or anxiety as a result of being triggered, my exiles or my wounds being triggered. Thank you. I haven't had the chance to read this book yet, but I'm excited to. It feels like there's a real instructional element to it. And I had the privilege of meeting you wearing your neuroscience hat when you were doing the one of the first neuroscience and trauma trainings, a level two. And I'm curious about how in this book you tie the neuroscience in to inform therapeutic decision-making. Yes. So this is something that I think is something I've kind of come put together over the years, like um, that I've, and I've keep expanding and evolving it as neuroscience knowledge mm -hmm. expands mm -hmm. and evolves. But there's a couple things like, and a lot of people have heard me talk about this specifically. And, you know, it's interesting. I, when I start hearing other clinicians start using 
my teachings, it's like, oh, good. All right. So, so this is really catching on here. First is this difference between empathy and compassion. Okay. And there's neuroscience to back these differences between empathy and compassion. And Tanya Singer is one of the people who has done a lot of the kind of the research around this. And Dick and I had the pleasure of meeting her and um, connecting with her on several attempts, but I've been able to kind of apply the difference between empathy and compassion as it relates to self energy and or our wounds being activated. So I've kind of, I've taken that neuroscience knowledge and applied it to the IFS model. Okay. And there's a difference between a compassionate response to somebody. I'm there for you. I care. I'm available. It's for the other person, but it's unblended and it's more aligned with self energy compared to an empathic response. And most therapists use these interchangeably. An empathic response is when I'm feeling my own while you're feeling yours, okay? And that is a blended state, a triggered state, if you will, okay? And so as I learn about the knowledge of neuroscience from Tanya Singer and apply it to the IFS model and then sit with my clients, It turns out that one's not good and one's bad. It turns out they're both very important elements to the healing process, that parts need both empathy and compassion from the therapist in order to heal. Mm -hmm. But even more important is that these very parts need empathy and compassion from the self in order to heal their wounds. That self often needs the part to feel it, but they also need, I mean, parts need the self to feel it, but they also need the self to be with it. So that's one dimension of applying neuroscience knowledge to the IFS model that I teach about a lot. And I, people really resonate um, when I teach that, right? I love that. Um, I love that it's catching on in that way. And the other thing is this whole, when I go over, review all the neurobiology of PTSD and dissociation, you know, for years I've been teaching about, and our field has known about what we are calling, what I would call hyper-aroused PTSD. Mm-hmm. That's activated, oh my God, panic attack, you know, like the activated PTSD. And it's not until more recently, honestly, within the past five or so years that we've learned more about the dissociated or numbed out portions of PTSD, mm-hmm. dissociation, disconnecting, withdrawal, and numbing. Stephen Porges has been a person that's really helped us understand that in his polyvagal theory, amongst other people. But when I start looking at the neurobiology, and you know, in IFS terms, these are extreme parts. You can have extreme parts that are hyper-aroused or extreme parts that are hypo-aroused, right? And it turns out when you listen to neuroscience, those there are different strategies that work for that. You don't do the same thing from the IFS perspective, when somebody is sympathetically hyper-aroused. Okay. Like it just very quickly, compassion, I mean, I'm sorry, empathy is not helpful mm-hmm. when somebody's hyper-aroused. Yeah. Empathy is much better when somebody's numbed or disconnected. Okay. Okay, you want to help bring them back Makes on sense. board or you want to help unblend. Makes sense. Okay, compassion is much better for hyper-arousal, for example, than it is for hypo-arousal because compassion for a hypo-aroused part can feel very distancing and unavailable. So I've kind of pulled in neuroscience as it relates to working with these extreme parts in a way to help therapists, because this is one of the biggest sticking points for therapists 
is how do I get beyond? How do I get permission from? How do I really learn the positive intention of these extreme parts? And from my perspective, when we apply neuroscience knowledge, it helps us with really effective and pinpointed unblending strategies. Okay. And of course, the br- one of the brilliance, and I really do for trauma, particularly, you guys, I, direct access is one of the most brilliant things. It is, yes. That the model has, that Dick has created as it relates to trauma. Because when you're unable to be with, these extreme parts and or help them unblend, provided that the therapist has enough self-energy on board, we go right into direct access, which just moves the work so much more efficiently. So it's it's a way I put this stuff to try to put it together. And you know, one of the things I say, because people are so hungry for this knowledge often, I'm like, be careful. This is Frank's view. <laughs> it's not the way it is, okay. right? I'm always reminding people, this is the way I've assimilated some neuroscience knowledge with the IFS model, right? It's a view and it's a perspective and the foundation is doing research. Yeah. So they're going to be proving things. You know, I've been involved in some research projects to kind of prove some of these theories yeah. that I have of using neuroscience to inform therapeutic decisions. Frank, I also see a large chapter on the IFS technique and working with protective parts, but not a chapter on the youngest, more vulnerable parts commonly called exiles and their burdens. Any specific good reason for that? Well, yeah, because I I decided to give a whole section to those exiles. It's in the healing section. Okay. (laughs) There's chapters on the IFS technique. Okay, good. Um, I think that might be section two or three. I'm not quite sure. But section four of the book is all about healing. And it's kind of all about exiles. Okay. It's kind of the the whole point. You know, once we're able to heal these exiles, you know, that makes the difference. And, you know, a lot of people don't don't acquire enough skill to be able to effectively navigate working with exiles, particularly in complex trauma, in severe attachment trauma, or in Mm -hmm. DID. So they never really get to working with those exiles effectively. And you know, Annabelle, it's interesting because I, that's an area where I really have expanded the model. Okay. And it's uh, the one, I'll just say a little bit about that right now, because I've, there's more than one type of wound, for example. Okay. And there's more than one type of unburdening. I've come up with, I think, four different types of unburdening and four different types of wounds or five different types of wounds. Interesting. So, as I've as I'm working in this field for all these years, you know, if I could just think of a few, like if I think about wounds, there's what one thing I call collective wound. Oh yeah, and I see this a lot. It's like little Johnny, little Susie, who is one exile who carries 20, 30 wounds. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. Okay, which is different than what I'm calling a developmental wound, for example, where a similar wound happens over various developmental stages. Okay. So I was, I was raped by so-and-so at five, then at 12, then at 15, because different developmental stages have different impacts. 
Okay. There's another thing I call parental pairing wound, parental pairing wounds, where you get uh, one wound from a mother and one wound from the father, but they're very closely linked. Typically, a hyper and a hypo aroused wound. Okay. And then a, a past present wound, where a, a wound in the present really triggers or activates a wound from the past. Yeah. Okay. So I'm looking at and and so honestly, I hopefully organizing these wounds in a way that help are clearer for people in this complicated journey of comp- working with trauma, you know? So helpful. Yes. So helpful. Same thing is true with the, how we heal. You know, there's a direct access unburdening I call there's a relational unburdening. There is a traditional unburdening. There's another one I'm not thinking of right now. Um, there's different ways to unburden wounds. Interesting. Okay. They don't, they're not, they're not only one way to do this. So I've added different types of wounds, different types of healing process as it relates to these exiles, because for me, working with protectors is incredibly important. It changes people's view of themselves and their way to be in the world. But the real significant changes here are when you're able to help people unburden and really release the pain of their trauma in a much more permanent way. One title of your chapter is, um, it's like chapter 13 that I feel really applies to that is the idea of IFS as internal attachment work. Yes. I love that. And I thank you for that. And I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about about how that goes. Yeah, there's a, so separate from, so I think also, Annabelle, if I can say that I don't devoted the whole healing section to exiles, that I would also say it's um, equally applicable to the the whole section on attachment trauma and attachment wounding, because I have, and some people have heard this, some people haven't a very different view of attachment styles than is in the literature. I see it very differently from an IFS perspective. There's a lot of that that's in the book. And sometimes that triggers people when they hear the way I don't, I don't, I don't believe people have attachment styles that are embedded from an early age and they have it for life. It's just not the view I have. I think parts and parts and parts, right? Parts of parents with parts of kids. I think it's a parts festival as it, as it relates to, attachment. But also these attachment wounds are really difficult and complicated. And attachment wounds are these early woundings that have a huge influence over people's life. And they're mostly unconscious. They drive all of our relational decisions. They drive all of our reasons to have kids, our reasons to get divorced, our reasons to pick our careers, but they're usually subterranean. They're usually unconscious, and oftentimes they don't have any language attached to them. So working with young attachment wounds is super challenging for people. And so it's it's a way of repairing early preverbal trauma, attachment wounds, in a way that I think is very challenging because most people are searching for redemption externally. 
You know, Tisha's going to be the person who I never had. She's going to love me in a way nobody ever did. You know, we're always seeking redemption. That's coming from our young attachment wounds. Okay. And, you know, IFS says, well, how's that working for you? <laughs> uh, not so well, right? In a non-shaming way. And, hey, we have this other offer here. We have this other offer. There's somebody in there. Mm-hmm that could really help repair this in a way that you've never been able to repair. And I know you've been trying your whole life. (sighs) People just, it's just like relaxation that comes over that desperation and that tenacity of desire to heal attachment wounds and this desire and yearning for connection because the complicated paradox to it all is that we've developed a series of very tenacious protectors to stop all connections at all costs because from the protector's perspective those connections are dangerous so it creates this horrible internal dilemma and a shut off connection at all costs it's dangerous oh my God, I'll do anything. Please, please, please don't leave me. So it's a very complicated piece of relational trauma, complex trauma. And I hope, I hope people can learn how to navigate those bumpy waters through this book because it drives therapists crazy. <laughs> it causes therapist parts to get activated all over the place. Beautiful. It really does. Frank, I'm now looking so much forward to read your book. It's always a joy and an inspiring learning process to talk to you. Thank you for sitting again with us and wishing you all the best for your new book journey. And uh, I hope we can keep meeting and sharing this model, our work and our lives. Well, thank you so much. And again, you guys, thank you so much for having me. I do want to let people know that if they are interested in purchasing this, this book, um, there's several different ways you can get it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to, I think, well, certainly through the publisher. And I can say this, interestingly enough, which is just a, a little benefit, is that in the month of April, there um, all books are 25% off at pessy.com. So if you're interested in getting the book pre-order, you can go to pessy.com and get a discount right now before the end of April. And then the book is also available on Amazon com in pre-order and I think it's at Barnes and Noble also. Um, we're already getting international requests and it's infiltrating the international world. And again, it's coming out May 19th, um, which I'm super, super excited about. And the IFS Institute, of course, will be selling the book um, as, well. Uh, as well. So thank you again, you guys. Thank you for having me. And I really, really appreciate all you both have done for our community, honestly, because you've been able to really prolifically bring many important topics uh, to our IFS world and our IFS network. So I'm eternally grateful to both of you, Thank you. for what you've been able to do for our community. Thank you, Frank. And and congratulations on wrapping up this, this culmination of your life's work so far. It's going to be an incredible contribution. Thank you so much. <laughs>